Welcome to Any Given You. This show is about all things college football, and on it you will hear insights, analysis, discussion, predictions, and stories of any given topic from any given time, past, present, or future. We believe that the stats are great, but the stories are greater. And you should listen if you have a passion for the game and what makes it great. We're going to talk about touchdowns and touched lives. Come with us on a journey that extends beyond the field of play. We will talk wins, losses, and coachable moments learned on the football field and taken to the classroom, workforce, home, and even the battlefield. Division one to division none. Five-star recruits to walk-ons, it doesn't matter. If it's college football, it's worth the story. I'm your host, Michael Megan. U.S. Army Ranger and a former college football player, and more importantly, a lifelong fan of all things college football. Whether you are a casual fan, a fanatic, a coach, a player, or just a person who loves great stories, then huddle up and commit at any given you. The endurance of pain or hardship without display of feelings and without complaint. That is Webster's definition of stoicism. Stoicism is an ancient Greek school of philosophy founded by Zeno of Kithium at Athens in the early 3rd century BC. The school taught that virtue is based on knowledge. The Stoics elaborated on a detailed taxonomy of virtue, dividing it into four main types, wisdom, justice, courage, and moderation. Today's guest would have been a prized pupil of Zeno had he lived in the 3rd century BC in Athens. Funny enough, this gentleman does hail from Athens, but the one in Georgia. Greg Hall Jr. is a two-time first-team All-State honoree from North Oconee High School. He led one of Georgia's top high school defenses in 2011 with a school record 18 sacks, finished with 63 total tackles and four pass breakups as a senior, and led the Titans to an undefeated regular season. Greg also lettered in basketball and track. Greg has an eclectic college football career, playing for two different institutions in his time. He played at App State and Auburn University. He continued his football career post-college in the NAL and signed with the IFL, or the Indoor Football League, in 2020, but unfortunately was not able to play due to obvious reasons with the pandemic. Greg, welcome to Any Given You Podcast. How are you doing? And we are so honored to have you. I'm doing pretty well, Mike, and thank you so much. You know, it's a pleasure to be here. That's awesome, man. I, I we're, we're we're stoked. Like seriously, seriously excited to have you here. So, where are you joining us from today, Greg? Uh, right now, I'm actually out in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, I know we talked on my way here. I was coming from Wood River, Illinois, doing some stuff with work and uh, having a store shut down out there. So you you were closing down the store. Yeah, so uh, working with Hibbit Sports right now, and we just kind of had one of those situations. We had a bunch of stores in one area. It kind of came down to numbers and who needed to stay, whatever. Obviously, like, Illinois area isn't – on this side of it, it isn't really moving as much as St. Louis is. So we started to kind of narrow down on our, our market. And then you get a lot of people with the COVID that aren't really traveling and buying stuff as much. So you don't need as many stores spread out like that. Yeah, that's understandable. I mean, you know, everything over the last year and, and counting, you know, really been affected economically and everything else. So, you know, I, I definitely hear you. Uh, you're you're a, a manager, though, right? You uh, 
regional or store? So I'm the store manager. It's also called the head coach because we use kind of a team concept. But uh, of the St. Louis store, store 470 out here. Gotcha. Now, um, by the way, back to the introduction, sorry if I made you sound like a a robot with all that stoic (laughs) talk in the intro, but something that always stuck out to me about you was just your even keel temperament. And uh, especially when handling adversity, I recall when you uh, you actually had a knee injury, I believe it was in 2018, um, that you were rehabbing from. And you just always, you know, it just seemed like it didn't matter what was going on. Like life was throwing you some bombs and you were just staying pretty even about it, man. Like where, where does that where does that come from? Where that's pretty rare air to be in. I mean, I've, I've always been kind of a laid back guy. You know, I was never the hype person. I think part of that was I have an older brother. He's three years older than me. And when I was younger, he was the mouth of the South, you know? Um, so it was like, he would talk and he just let, he would talk for me, tell my mom, like, you no, know, Greg wants this. I think Greg would want to do this, be here, do that, whatever. So I was just super laid back on that. I also get into the mindset of being worked up about it and being stressed about it doesn't do me any good. Like I can't really, I can't fix it by being stressed. I can only find solutions. I actually have a Hakuna Matata tattoo. Lion King is one of my favorite movies, but <laughs> no, just no worries. Don't stress it. Find a solution, like I said, and just move on from it. So with that knee injury, it kind of, it threw me off guard and ruined that season. So I only played the first five games, I want to say. And I came off, was having a great season and was one of the top in sacks at that point in the NL. It was just something I kind of had to deal with. You know, I, I watched the rest of the season go. We didn't do as great as we wanted to but I was able to be there for my teammates. Yeah, I did. I noticed that, um, you know, that 2018 season, yes, you were having a monster season and what stuck out not only in your rehab process, but also like <laughs> that team, I think we can all agree. Anybody that knows uh, NAL football, Columbus Lions football, that team is uh, kind of a very uh, where it's emotions on your sleeve type of crew. Everything <laughs> was super high. Everything was super low, you know, And it would just be funny because I would notice you and everybody else would be just so upset. Something happened, you know, a big completion or maybe a touchdown and you were calm. You just had that face and that demeanor is just that, you know, okay, Hey, next play. And then all of a sudden Greg Hall with the sack, Greg Hall with the fumble recovery, Greg Hall with the strip. And so to me, it just, it just seemed like you were just always locked in again. Like you said, you weren't giving any of your energy or attention to external factors. It was just staying locked in on what it is that you needed to do. Um, Greg, would you do me a favor? You were just talking about your younger brother, uh, and being the mountain or is your older brother? Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. That makes more sense because usually the older siblings are the ones that talk the most. Yeah. I'm the baby. I'm I'm, I'm a, I'm a firstborn and I never shut up. So uh, (laughs) anybody who knows me knows that, but what what was your family like? So you, you have, how many siblings did you have? Uh, So I have three siblings, two older sisters and an older brother. My sisters are actually, by my dad's side. So I guess they're all considered half siblings in a way. And then my brother is on my mom's side, but we all grew up together for the most part, um, pretty close knit. And like, even now, you know, as you get older, you don't talk to your siblings every single day. I'm the one that I will make a point to try and go see them or to call them or something like that. If I, if I need to, or if I just want to say like, Hey, I love you whatever. But whenever we get together, it's like, you never separate it, you know? So I've got to ask who introduced you to football. 
Yeah. Um, so essentially it's my uncle. Um, I remember my uncle, uh, we're all from Panama city, Florida originally. Um, really? I know you're, you're a Florida guy too. Yeah. Yeah. Tampa. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so he played at Rutherford high school when he was there. They actually went to a state championship, um, had a really great team over the years that he was there. I remember I, at the time I was maybe two or three years old, you know, but I can remember the bells ringing. They used to do these cowbells at the games. I remember growing up, like, watching him wear his jersey, and I would, like, borrow his practice jerseys and wear them to school for, like, you know, spirit day and things like that. And then he ended up going to UGA, and uh, that was a huge deal. He was one of the top recruits in that situation. Uh, actually went to the NFL after that. But just through that, seeing him play and everything and seeing, like, how much he enjoyed it and the level he was on, it kind of made me just want to do I enjoyed sports altogether. I actually wanted to be a basketball player first, you know, and it became either I could be a short basketball player at 6'3", 6'4", or I could be a tall football player. So I just chose to be a football player at the end of the day. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, absolutely. So, And obviously, you know, I think it worked out for you, too. That's probably your natural sport or where you should line up. So your uncle, by the way, is what's his name? Will Witherspoon. Uh, Will Witherspoon. Okay. So pretty well known there at UGA. And he played, mm -hmm. well, he played for over a decade in the NFL, didn't he? Uh, I want to say 12 years when he retired. That's crazy, man. That's a great career. So that's awesome. So like, so you being from Panama city originally being a Florida boy, that's awesome. You know, mm -hmm. finally I will, we'll claim it. Florida, right. man, Florida <laughs> man runs deep. So we'll do that. But um, obviously, you, so you grew up though in the in the Athens, Georgia area, right? Right. Okay. And so I got to ask a question: With your uncle Will Witherspoon, did any part of you want to play at UGA? Yeah, of course. Um, so it was just it was a uh, watching it like that. That was part of our family. Um, and later on, one of my coaches at Auburn was actually his coach at UGA that kind of it was just a family thing they uh always had that i remember watching him obviously living in athens but i think i kind of got a little too much of it being in athens growing up and everywhere you go there's uga flags and t-shirts stuff like obviously the nearest uh college team was georgia tech and it's like after reggie ball calvin johnson there was nothing going on at georgia tech you know what i mean there's no georgia tech fans you're not if you catch somebody with a georgia tech flag there's an issue <laughs> so uh yeah man just being 15 minutes up the road from UGA obviously I keep this I get to stay close to family uh close to home in that situation but at the same time part of me didn't really want to follow that same path because being a kid obviously my last name is different than his I was getting the oh little Witherspoon Oh, little Will, little Will, like, you're going to do this. And, yeah, you know, I just I, – I didn't really – I didn't like that vibe. I wanted it to be my own guy. And it was no disrespect to him. And he understood that we had discussions about it. So when it came down to – I found out after I had uh, went to Auburn. But he mentioned it one day. We were just sitting around talking. He was like, yeah, so I had a coach, a couple guys talk to me about you going to UGA. I told him you weren't interested. <laughs> and in that situation, I was like, you know, I was kind of interested. I just didn't want to go the same path as you. I didn't want to do it because of you. You know, like any school I could have gone to, it's a great school at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I think I just wanted something different. I want to be my own guy, you know, at the end of it. I, I completely understand that. I, I definitely, I can definitely resonate with that for sure. Just wanting to be, it's not like you're, it's not like you're not going to make your family proud. You're just going to be right. the first to, to do something. You will be the first, you'll be the original, the version 1.0 of something new, basically, as opposed to, you know, just, just continuing a, a trend or, or what have you. Right. Right. So, um, 
coming out of high school, first off, 18 sacks in a season, man, that's pretty monstrous. I'll be honest. We played uh, we played a couple of teams that ran the triple option. And I think sometimes because of the stunts that we ran and just me being able to get off the ball, I got to the quarterback before it was decided if, if it was a run or a pass. So I think some of those I might have cheated a little bit. Like I might have got credit for a sack that could have been a run play. They just never figured it out. Hey man, you take but those I'll numbers. Take you take them. Yeah, I'm with take it all day. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so obviously crushing it at uh, North Oconee High School. Um, had a very good senior year, obviously, and so the recruiting letters started pouring in. Uh, what were what were some of the schools that were recruiting you heavily that, at that time? Well, it was, uh, you know, it was kind of right before the whole social media wave hit. Um, I want to say my freshman year of college was the first time I really saw Instagram. I never really used Twitter or anything. Like, I was still a Facebook guy. So um, I would get letters all the time, and I thought it was so cool because I was one of the only kids at my school. It was me and a guy named Joseph Selfo that actually went to play college as well. And we were always getting letters, and they would sit in our coach's office for like a week. You know, most time the coach just like lets them pile up. And he's like, oh, by the way, you got these. And I'm opening up letters from, like, Auburn, uh, Oregon, Clemson, all these other places. Once I open it and look over it, I realize it's like the invite the camp, you know, just like the basic type stuff. It's nothing, like, it's nothing official. It's not actually from the coach, even though it may say officially from, you know, Coach uh, Coach Chizik or, you know, whoever it was at the time. Um but realistically, schools that I actually talked to and were around, I went out to Troy for a camp and got close to their coaches. Um, the camp actually got rained out, so that was just complete trash <laughs> and a waste of a trip. I talked to a couple coaches at UGA and got invited to their dog night, which happened to be the same night as the Troy camp. So I went to the Troy camp, got rained out, and missed dog night. <laughs> but <laughs> the camp that uh, the one I went to before that, crazy enough, I I was there with uh, Trey Matthews and Quavon Hicks, who I ended up playing with both of them later in my career. Great athletes. Uh, talked to App State, obviously. Um, UNC Charlotte was starting their brand new program. And uh, Coach Lambert was actually one of the coaches at UGA with my uncle and knew me and loved me, wanted me to come out there. It was just a situation of I couldn't wrap my mind around practicing for a year to start a program. You know, they weren't going to play for until the next season. I like the idea of me being the first one to wear this jersey, me building the groundwork. But I was just in the mindset as a kid, like, I wanted to be out there right now. You know, and I felt like I could be. Passed on that. Georgia State was big. Um, I'm trying to – Coach Curry was up there. And, of course, he gives you the story, like, you know, he snapped for Bart Starr <laughs> in, like, Super Bowl three or something like that. He was an awesome guy. But that was in the middle of Atlanta. And it was like, you know, walking to campus, you're passing 100 cars and all this other stuff's going on. It's nothing but noise. Like, their dorms were in little factory buildings and stuff. It was, it was like, you know, I wasn't ready for that lifestyle. Yeah, it's pretty funny you mentioned all that, like um... – those letters pouring in and getting excited, you know, and then and then you open them up and it's like an invite to camp or even better. It's like a questionnaire. You know what I mean? It's oh, like, yeah. it's like, hey, <laughs> fill this out with your height and weight. And what do you run the 40 in? And like they probably go through thousands of those. They're just like bullshit, right. bullshit. This, guy, <laughs> this guy's not on my radar at all. Oh, yeah. Four, three. I'm sure. Yeah. Fuck. You're like right exactly. in the trash can. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I remember getting like really excited about that. It was just funny, man. Like you'd see these big schools on there and I, I you know I, I drank the Kool-Aid of course you know when 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 I was in high school you know you got to remember this was like 2005 2006 man this is like mm -hmm. 
this is my space, Eric. Yeah, this yeah. isn't even Facebook. <laughs> like when I when I when I was in my freshman year at FIU, like getting a Facebook profile was like cutting edge for me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was yeah. So like it, it's just funny. Like in the process of recruiting, you see today is it's a lot. You know, there's a lot of paperless. You got these Instagram accounts with these kids. You got them making YouTube videos and everything else. Like there's this one kid on Instagram, they call him baby Gronk or some shit like really? that. He's like committed to Oregon and he's in the seventh <laughs> okay. grade or he's like seven years old or something stupid like that. I don't even know if that's Damn. real. I don't even right. know if it's real, but like, you know, that's, it's just, that's how crazy it is. It's just so in your face. You know, now if, you, if you're not on max preps or you don't have a profile, you haven't put something out man like you're already behind the eight ball in recruiting it's yeah. just crazy how fast it moves but so you did settle on app state um mm. or I, I don't mean to i don't mean to say so well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you decided on app state and so that took you to boone north carolina to play for man. the appalachian state mountaineers and they they were in the uh were they in this were they in the sun belt then no no so we were uh fcs at the time and we were uh SOCON, so Southern Conference with Georgia Southern, uh, Western Carolina, all those guys. And I think at some point, I want to say Troy or somebody else was actually in the SOCON before. But um, now, so my freshman year was our last year in the SOCON. Then they decided to move up, which part of my reason in transferring, they did the whole two-year uh, like probationary period um, where you can't play for conference, you can't win anything officially, so, and you split your schedule between half of the SOCON and half of your new uh, conference in D1A, because we were D1AA. So it was like, hey, by the way, you won't be able to play for a conference until your senior year. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I don't, you know, that, that's, that's a tough ask, man, you know, to, and I hear you. It's almost like um, when you're talking about, you know, the reason you didn't go to Charlotte uh, because they were starting up, there was going to be kind of like a, a, a practice period. Um, you know, luckily when I, when I went to Florida international, they had already had that about seven years before I showed up. And then they, yeah. they had made the jump from FCS. I think it was their second year as officially division one, uh, mm. FBS when I showed up there. So, um, and yeah, they were in the, in the Sunbelt conference at the time. So, which is obviously that gateway conference into, uh, FBS. But, um, right. so th that's, that's the reason you left, but, um, did you see a lot of playing time at app state? You're freshman year or you know what, what I did, was it? um so it was kind of a crazy situation and honestly so i'm i'm religious uh i believe god does like every in at the end of the day i feel like everything happens for a reason um so i got to app i was initially the third guy on the list you know we had a senior who was great um i won't say his name because the story is going to be <laughs> a little rough he was him uh we had a sophomore so a guy just ahead of me named Deuce uh, Robinson. Deuce was the prototypical, like, every uh, defensive end you ever created on NCAA. You know, he was <laughs> he 6'5", like a true 6'5", could run, you know, just crazy get off. And, like, Deuce just had that build. He had to look. He passed the eye test every time. And then it was me coming from a 2A school in Georgia. Like, obviously, I did great at my school, but I didn't play against that many great people. Uh we had every year you knew you had seven or eight wins and then three games that you actually had to play. Like Elbert County, Hart County, and Jefferson were our ones that it was like, 
okay, now we really got to go. Um, when I got up there, we're in camp doing tour days and stuff. I'm dying because this stuff is just ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and it's the first time, like, you know, high school tour days are nothing like college. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. That was, a, that was a steep transition. Right. And I'm at in Boone, North Carolina, in the middle of nowhere at a 3,000 no, feet elevation at this point. So lungs are dying, <laughs> like, trying to get used to this stuff. But, yeah, so the, the senior, the starter – uh, went out one night, got blasted, I'm assuming. Ended up outside of Jimmy John's fighting some random kid and beat the kid to a pole, got kicked off the team. That whole deal went down, so it became me and Deuce. And I, we basically just had, it was almost a basketball rotation of you go out one series, he goes out one series. You go out, he goes out. And so I played pretty much every game. And then even if I didn't really get a lot of defensive time, I played special teams, stuff. And in the, the FCS, you have... 45 scholarships, I believe. So your scholarship guys are playing. You know, your, I mean, your walk-ons are playing second string. So at that point, it was like I, I was on the field a solid bid. I think I had four and a half sacks my freshman year. So I, I did pretty well, you know, and I think I would have excelled if I stayed there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you, you're, you're kind of interesting uh, build for football like you were just talking about you could be a short basketball player you could be a tall football player so you kind of um i never really labeled you as a linebacker or a defensive end you were kind of like that edge you know that that new spot where they just call edge because they're not exactly sure it's the kind of that tweener the the in-between body you know he's like he's 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 a really big linebacker, but he's a really sleek defensive end. So yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that that kind of is that, is that accurate? Would you say that? Yeah, and I think I kind of I fed into that. So when I first saw it, uh, it was actually Alden Smith at Mizzou, and I watched him, and he was out there just wrecking people. I used to watch his highlight tapes all day, and when they took him to San Francisco, it was the first time I really saw a three-four defense, and he was that stand-up guy. I was like. You tell me he can catch interceptions and rush the quarterback. And like this guy, he just does what he wants to do at this point. And that's kind of how I went to App State. I was the bandit, which is the, the hybrid DN position. Yeah, Alden Smith was an animal. I, it's funny you bring him up. I almost forgot about that guy, but he was incredible. Right. Um, so you decided to leave App State because of the – partly, I'm going to assume, everything happens like in parts. So I'm sure it was right, part right. this reason, part that reason. But so – you ended up actually out of football for a year. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, more with the App State thing, you know, they fired my head coach, Jerry Moore that year. And then I was, I was like five hours away from home on top of a mountain with no car. Um, it snowed half the time. So my mom wasn't driving in the snow. Like that's, she told me straight up, if it snows, I'll see you next time. (laughs) Um, so Part of I wanted to actually transfer back to UGA. My sophomore year, I was like, I started talking to uh, the D line coach was Coach Wilson, um, and his son Caleb Wilson, who's actually I think he plays tight end in the league right now. But Caleb went to my high school and came in as I was graduating, and so had that connection. Uh, knew Coach Grantham a little bit, so I was talking to all those guys that summer. And trying to figure out how to transfer in, I went to North Georgia. So North Georgia, the actual campus is in Dahlonega, Georgia, um, up in the mountains. But they have a campus in Athens, out in Oconee County. 
So that's really one of those, like, it's part of the official school, so you can, you're still getting official credits, but it's one of those places that people just go when they graduate and they don't know what they want to do, or you just need to build up your credits, whatever. So I went home, um, helped my mom take care of my great-grandparents. I was working, um, just trying to stay busy, help around the house. I just didn't, I didn't want to feel like a bum. I started working out for real, because um, in high school, I, I just never did trainers i didn't have the money for it didn't care to like dig into all that and it wasn't as big as at the time so that sophomore year of college i came back found it like i and this was it was kind of crazy uh one of my buddies sean barry he went to north georgia with me he played against me in high school for my rival high school at oconee county and one day we're at north georgia and he's just like yeah man i'm about to go work out like you got to work out with us this short little stocky white kid like he was that guy who always felt like he was bigger than he was um and i can so, i can bench 225 bro yeah like, like that's exactly <laughs> verbatim so you know um sean just keeps telling me this stuff and he's getting on my nerves i'm like i don't want to go like i'm good I'm, I'm gonna go to work do this do that and finally like i just went you know he's like yeah i can talk to my trainer like you can at least do like a free first workout you know just to see what it's like and my trainer, his name's Corey Davis. He graduated from UGA and was looking, he was kind of growing his own gym. So he was looking for like young kids to build up and it helps him. So we, you know, he helped me get to where I wanted to be with Auburn and stuff and transferring, but also it helped that he had a college football player in his gym. So we just kind of got, had that give and take, but he really, like he taught me nutrition, you know, he taught me how to practice for a combine and bench press stuff. I want to say when I left App State, I struggled to hit 13 reps of 225. My first day at Auburn when we did 225, I hit 19 smooth. And then like the next couple of times I was bumping up every single time. But everything I did at Auburn, I walked in day one and was able to do any workout. I wasn't struggling. And just because I was prepped with the – so during that transitional year, it, it helped a lot. And to get my mindset back in football, like I, I never really, he got me into doing football workouts. You know, I might be doing sprints with a football in my hand, whatever, it was always there. And that year kind of flew by so fast that I really didn't realize I hadn't been playing. Would you say your biggest takeaway from your time off of actually playing football was kind of falling in love with the process of what it takes to, to get to that point to, to, to transcend to that next level, to get, to get ready for a season, you know, because it's, this is where it's kind of interesting with football. Like you can draw, draw a parallel to the army in football, right there in the army in football, there is a ton of training and there's a ton of preparation and there's very little amount of time that you're actually putting your skills on in real life in real time, you know? And so right. if you don't love the process, you're not going to last very long. So would you say that you came out with like a newfound love of that from that time, you know, from your year off? Uh, definitely for sure. Um, and it's funny, like until you just said that I didn't think about it at that time, honestly, because when I went to Auburn, Coach Miles and I talked about the, the process, the process, you know, enjoying the process, being part of it. And I didn't even think about the fact that I had been doing that the whole year before I even got there. And just I, I enjoy watching my body grow into something different, watching that evolution and seeing, you know, here are my numbers day one. And four weeks later, these are my new numbers. 
you know, before that it was eat cookies and snacks all day during school. Every Friday we had a uh, Krispy Kreme donuts in high school, you know, stuff like that. Damn. You got sodas, whatever you're doing. And then you go play the game, you ball out and you feel like, like nothing's going to change. You know, like this is just, this is fine. I'm at the best I'm going to be. Yeah. And you realize that you could be so much better and just taking care of your body and being, it's, it's more so intent. I had worked out before, but I never worked out with the intent. Yeah, that makes sense. It's so, so funny you bring that up because, like, when you're young, dude, enjoy that young – all you young yeah. people out there, if you're listening right now, enjoy the metabolism, okay, and enjoy the energy because that shit does not last. <laughs> you get older, you got, you, it becomes so much more about the process and, and the prehab and the rehab and everything else. I mean, yeah, I, you know, but it's so good that the kids these days do understand that, and it's, it's kind of in from an early age. And I, I think that you're going to see a trend in college all the way up to the professional level of football where you're going to see college where you're going to see football careers getting longer and longer because I mm -hmm. think, you know, the, these guys are going to be so indoctrinated with, you know, taking care of their bodies and whatnot. I, I think you're going to see it play out that way. So you, sure. men, you mentioned earlier that there was a coach that coached your uncle Mm. at UGA that was a coach over at Auburn. So was that a big attraction for you to, to walk on to Auburn? And then the second part of this question is you could have probably played, you definitely could have played for a, uh, you know, a, a smaller school on scholarship. So why take, what was, what was in it to take the risk to walk on at Auburn? Uh, so it all started off with app. And like I was saying, so you, you have so little, imagine you have 45 guys on scholarship, you bring in 16, 17 freshmen, you redshirt half of those guys, injuries, everything else. Now you end up with maybe 20 to 30 guys on scholarship and you have to fill 22 spots on the team. So your backups were all walk-ons. And I watched those guys, you know, pay for school, go to class, do all, you know, they weren't getting, it's not like we were getting a lot of stuff at App State. Like App wasn't just, you know, spilling it out, but they didn't get the stuff that we had, you know, they didn't get the luxury. They didn't have paid, uh, you know, housing and everything. And I watched them grind just as hard as we did. I watched them play just as hard as we did. And that kind of inspired me. So it was like, if these guys can do it, like not to belittle them, but why can't I? And also the thought of NFL is never guaranteed. So it was, I could go and be a great player at App State with amongst, you know, I had extraordinary teammates, but we were, it was average competition for the most part. Um, sort of like, I could, sort of like uh, your high school uh, experience a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, you have those great guys here and there, but as a team overall, like you can tell who, which guys are really good because everybody else just kind of falls off at some point. It's like five or six guys and then it just drops. And then when I went to Auburn, it was like I could practice against pros. You know what I mean? Like I, it didn't matter if I ever played one play on the field. I was against some of the top competition. I had five stars left and right. I've got buddies all over the NFL right now. You know, guys had um, had championships. They might have been like all state in track and football or basketball and football. One of my teammates is a D lineman, uh, Angelo Blackson, and he actually was like a McDonald's All-American in basketball and was a 300-pound D lineman. You know what I mean? So when you got these type of athletes everywhere, we used to play ball in the uh, rec center, Nick Marshall, all those guys, and they could really, like, hoop. Or if you want to put them on a baseball diamond, like, they could do everything. 
and these guys are now in the league or have that type of experience, and I've played against that every single day. So just thinking of the development that I could get, it was worth the risk. But when I was deciding schools, um, I want to say the biggest thing was I wanted to be close to home. So my range, and I wanted to be in the SEC, obviously best conference in college football. Like, you know, hands down, no matter what people say. So uh, Shots fired. Shots <laughs> fired, everybody. <laughs> But it's, I mean, it's real. So, you know, at that point it was, I looked at everywhere within two and a half hours from home. So uh, UGA, South Carolina, and Auburn. So I ended up at Auburn in 14. So 14 was the year after they lost to Florida State in the national championship. So they had just had their great year. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It was the it was the best situation for you. Um, so you, 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 uh, you walk on at Auburn. They're just coming off that national championship loss, but still played for a national championship, won the right. SEC. That was the that was the kick six year, yeah? Yeah, so kick six and the prayer in Jordan here. Don't forget the prayer. I've been trying to forget it for a while. Yeah, the prayer at Jordan there. That's right. Hey, I've been saying, I've said this a few times, and maybe if you caught any of my stuff over on Facebook, uh, you know, when I do the live stream, Auburn, the most fortunate team in college football. You know, like, and I, I understand that like there's luck and there's coaching, right. You know, follow the play down the field. Maybe you pick up the ball, pick up the ball off the ground, no matter what, if it hits the ground, it might be a fumble, you know, like who knows, like those are coaching things, right. Um, right. being in right place, right time, but man, there's some freaky stuff that happens with Auburn where it's just like, yeah. <laughs> whenever I do my game analysis on these teams, it's just like, man, I can't ever count out Auburn. Cause I don't know if some crazy shit's going to happen with those guys you know it's just insane um it's crazy yeah yeah i mean a couple couple instances this last year you know like that that deal in arkansas with uh you know what should have been the backward spike uh or the fumble but it wasn't it wasn't called that and then there was an incident with old miss that they escaped with two wins and those arguably could have been two losses but then just the weird just the weirdest stuff like the lost south carolina this last year you know what the hell was that about you know like who knows but um Anyway, uh, I digress. Like, so you get there and was there a noticeable uptick now? Like you talked about you're, you're practicing against like professional level guys, five stars, four stars and all that other stuff like that. Like, was there a moment where you were like, Oh shit, like I might be in a little bit over my head here or like, Uh, did your experience at app state kind of help you out? so that kind of prepped me in a way because it was one of those things where we knew we were the little guys. So they tried to overcompensate where we had not like meaningful workouts, but it was just ridiculous workouts to kind of get you just to, to screw your mind up so much that you're like, okay, I can do whatever, you know, we're out there pushing a two inch sled or like, you know, four by fours across the turf for 60, 70 yards. And then, running over here and then doing this and then running stadiums all left and right. And it was like, they just tried to kill us, you know, for the most part. When I got to Auburn, it was the workouts weren't as bad um, unless we got in trouble, obviously. (laughs) But 
in general because you knew it was a purpose behind it so everything was functional movement everything was what's the fastest you can move this way not just can you just hold a thousand pounds on your back and do whatever with it you know it was there was so much intention and they they always explained it when I got to practice I think the biggest thing that really got me was so when I transferred I was still in that ineligible range I thought that when I took the year in North Georgia that it would count as my year off for whatever reason and I think because they didn't have a team they didn't count that as my transfer year so once I still transferred to Auburn I had to sit out that first year um and of course as a walk-on when I brought it to compliance it was like uh yeah there's nothing we can do you know it wasn't like let's try and figure it out it was yeah yeah they don't do that okay cool go like you know go back to class do thing um so being that was my transfer year and I was ineligible I was on scout team granted at the same time Trey Matthews was on scout team with me because of his ineligible year and we had another guy uh Austin Golson who played at Ole Miss and transferred and he was ineligible that year. But your scout team practices, like, you're your own team at that point. On a bigger school, like, because when I was at App, your starters play scout if you needed it. But at Auburn, we went to meetings by ourselves. You know, we had our coach, and your coach was on the one who talked to you. Like, when it came to other coaches, I was number so-and-so for this week. You know, if we're playing – Texas and then my Miles Garrett, like number 15, go go over here, do this. You know what I mean? So uh, it was the fact that I was just a guy, you know, um, and it was, hey, we need a, a practice dummy. Like we need somebody to run this like stunt over and over and we're going to keep picking it up and keep banging you in the head, like, head first, you know, like we see it coming and then I'm going to cuss this 330 pound guy out enough that he wants to beat you to, to the ground. <laughs> so now I'll come do it again. <laughs> I definitely know what that scout team life is like. I, you know, I was scout team fullback down there at Florida international for, you know, my freshman year. And uh, that might be the worst, <laughs> well, I, you know, but I loved it, man, to be honest with you, because I, I came out of high school. I was a offensive lineman by trade mm-hmm. and uh, played a little bit of D-line. So it was like, wait a minute, you're telling me that I can be in the backfield now and I don't have to wear a lineman <laughs> number and I'm like almost like a glorified guard at this point. Oh, man, I, fuck, <laughs> I love it, man. It's, come on, you and me in the hole, let's go, you know. Oh, and I get to touch the ball every once in a while. Wow, I made it. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, man. I th- you know, honestly, I think the best fullbacks, like if I, was a, if I was a coach, I would be looking for an undersized athletic offensive lineman. I'd be looking for one because I right. don't I don't have to train you how to block. He knows how to do that, you know, and he's going to do it with great enthusiasm because <laughs> he gets to wear a 40 series yeah. number and, <laughs> you know, look like a cool guy. So would you say then, you know, your time in the scout team, I mean, you already had a year off of football. Then you come in, you're ineligible, you're on scout team, you know, main body Auburn coaches, like you said, won't even talk to you. And you got these monsters, four-star, five-star guys, you know, teeing off on you in practice and stuff like that. Was that was that a was that a low point for you at Auburn or um I think at times it was because more so I think I, I had moments where I let the outside voices get in my head where it was like yeah, I was excited to tell people I played for Auburn, but when it comes to, hey, so I'll see you on the sideline, like, no, you know, I don't dress for games, I'm ineligible, you know, or, hey, like, were you in this game? Did you play against so-and-so? No, I was in the stands. You know, I got my, my same two tickets like every other guy who didn't dress out, and half the time I got I got to a point mid-season where I stopped going to the games. Um, so I went to the first game, we played Arkansas, and that was Jeremy Johnson's big game where he threw for like 250 yards in the first half, and 
and then because Nick Marshall was actually suspended that first half and came in the second half and we blew out Arkansas like just to see what the Auburn football life because I had never been to an Auburn game so that was to see what that was like and then about midway through I'm like you know I'm not playing I don't really feel like I'm part of this team like I go to practice and stuff I'm cool with my teammates but there's no coach saying like can't wait to see you on the field you know there's nobody saying there's no one feeding that into your head honestly I became like a full-time weight room guy those were my coaches you couldn't tell me any different like my head coach is Ryan Russell, our uh, strength coach. You know, the GAs and everybody else we had, those are the people I talked to every single day with our equipment guys. I just, I never belittle anybody. Like, I never looked down on anyone. So you had these superstars who were like, hey, give me my gloves. Like, give me my so-and-so. I want more. I want more. And I really sat down and had conversations with these guys. And this is, like, how I spent my time. Because while they were in some super, super secret, like, pregame meeting, you know, I was sitting downstairs in the locker room talking to, like, whoever else was around, like, who was left. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, it was low. But I think it, it got me to a point where I stopped caring what other people thought. And I knew that I just had to put my head down and work. I hear that. That's awesome, man. You know, I... <laughs> It's funny you mentioned, you know, talking to people or talking to the, the little guy in the room. You know, I think Muhammad Ali said, I never trust a guy who's rude to a waiter because if I was in that position, that's how he'd treat me. It's a testament to the kind of guy that you are, that not only you stayed positive, but like you never you never lost the humility of it either, you know? And that's something, again, that stuck with me, you know, from our time together in the NAL. So what, real quick, just to wrap up your, your time at Auburn, right? Um, what was the biggest, like the biggest triumph or the, just that, your best memory from playing at Auburn? Honestly, it was just uh, the um, Outback Bowl senior year. So we got destroyed. Um, <laughs> we played against Baker, uh, Samaje Piran, Joe Mixon. Like, I think they had D.D. Westbrook. It was just a stacked offense, and they walked up and down the field and had a career day. But it was that I was a part of that experience, and I got to say, like, I, I was on the field for these games. You know, when we played LSU and Alabama and all that, I was there, so I got to see us win these games. I, I didn't just ride the coattails of the rest of the team, you know, and I got the respect of the team. So my senior year was when I got my scholarship. And going through that, it was like, okay, you put in your time. Auburn has this thing. You pretty much have to wait two years to get the scholarship unless something crazy happens. But once you get in as a walk-on, you're going to be there for two years before you get really put up on that list of guys who should we offer knowing that my time was coming, it happened. And, and I think I gained respect. Like I gained respect of my teammates um, throughout, you know, my first two years. And when they saw me in practice and were like, Hey, you're not a, a normal walk on, you know, like you could kind of play somewhere. I have, I got plenty of buddies that were like, yeah, you're dumb. Like, why'd you walk on? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and you know, they were, you know, three, four, five stars and got on scholarship. They're like, I would have never walked on, you know? And I'm like, well, it meant something different to me. And once I got that scholarship, you know, I became part of that family. I, I dressed for games. I was on the bus pregame, you know, and then I was at the Outback Bowl, like knowing that I, I was a part of that. I was on the field, you know, I got to enjoy that whole experience. We are in the Mercedes Benz Dome, like, you know, all of that was just great. Just, um, so I think that would be my highest point, to be honest. Yeah, that's got to be an awesome experience, man. Definitely something that 99.9% of people never will ever experience. So that's, that's truly unique, you know. Um, so we're going to get into this next segment here. It's called Current Events. We'll get, we'll get through this real quick. I have to ask you, Brian Harson, head man at Auburn, um, coming down from Boise State, 
mm-hmm. by way of he was actually Arkansas State head coach for uh, a little bit. Funny enough, the interview, the show that we did last night with Darius Rosser from Arkansas State, you guys actually share uh, coaching in common. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Gus, Gus Malzahn yeah. was his head coach <laughs> and is your head coach as well. But what do you think about um, Brian Harson taking over at Auburn uh, as the head man? You excited about that or, or cautious optimism or what? Um, I am excited. Uh, it's crazy because so Tyler Rossa, our kicker with Columbus, actually played for Harson. And that's as soon as I seen this guy is like this random coach from Boise State is getting a job over at Auburn. I was like, Tyler, like, do you know him? How is he? Blah, blah. And he had nothing but great things to say. I think my biggest skepticism with it was just the fact that you got this guy, I guess, what are they, Midwest Conference or something, you know, you got this guy that's way out there. Oh, Mountain West. Yeah, Mountain, Mountain West. West. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and he's coming to the SEC to recruit and build this team that Auburn just has history. You know, Boise State's been up there, but – like Auburn, you just know guys that coming in and out of there. That's a team that's going to compete. And we're playing against Alabama, who's arguably the best team every single year. Um, so it was just, it was just odd that it was like we got this guy from Boise. And then the second thing that came to mind was what coaches are going to stay. You know, um, that's always the biggest thing is just that revolving door of every time there's a new coach, he's bringing his people. Um, so just waiting that out, I watched it like day by day to see what was going to happen. Some people People, well, I know Cadillac's still there, um, and they brought in Zach Etheridge, who's an ex-Auburn guy. But for the most part, I'm pretty sure everybody else is out of the system now. And even my whole strength staff is going now. He brought a new strength staff. But, I mean, I, I look forward to it. It's Change can be good. You know, um, I think – Gus did well, but he kind of reached that peak and people wanted to see the next thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I will say this for Gus Malzahn and not ever meeting him whatsoever. I think he did about as good a job as he could do at Auburn, given the current climate of the SEC West, Alabama just being a world-eating juggernaut, LSU coming out of nowhere, you know, like lightning rod kind of, you know, season in 2019. Uh, LSU's always been a a good program, story program. Like, don't get me wrong, don't get that twist. But, um, you know, just and then Georgia, like the the meteoric rise that they've taken, you know, uh, with Kirby Smart coming over there, like getting to a new level like that is a tough road to hoe there. And, um, you know, Gus always struck me as a coach that kind of he ran what I would consider a clean program. I never really heard of many incidents with Auburn guys. Um, you know, you hear it from some other programs, but you don't really hear it from Auburn. And, you know, to be honest with you, like he also uh, was there to recruit a guy like Darius Rosser. And so the both of you, I, I have a lot of respect and admiration for. You guys are like class act guys. So I will say never having met Coach Malzahn, good job for running a clean program. And, you know, if you're producing products like that, you're probably you're a good football coach and, you know, you need to be coaching somewhere because it's about more than and wins and losses you know it really is like this this has got to be about more than wins and losses because not everybody can win the national championship every single year so right um but speaking of to get back into national championship contention and since gus malzahn's departure from auburn and since we were just talking about recruiting a second ago auburn was ranked 17th nationally in recruiting when gus malzahn was there they dropped immediately to 47th when he departed they i mean auburn's recruiting class got gutted as of today, they've climbed back up to 37th and national signing day for the 2021 period is literally tomorrow. So as Greg 
Hall, coach, recruiting coordinator for Auburn. Give me your best pitch. If I am a five-star guy, give me your best pitch on why I should go to Auburn instead of anywhere else. I mean, I, I hate to be the cliche guy, but it's it's the family vibe. And I loved every bit of that. Even if it's a new coach, new guys coming in, we still had, you know, Tuberville. I played with Tommy Tuberville's son um, while I was up there and he was up there all the time. Also, I stood on the sideline with Bo Jackson. So if you need anything more than that, you know, I mean. Hold on. Bo, just, Bo just, just one second. Just one second. <laughs> what was that like, man? Because Bo Jackson, I mean, come on. Like, you say Bo, you say Herschel, right? You say Peyton. Yeah. Like, you don't need the last name right so like right so what was that like uh it's was, it was great because he, he's just one of the guys you know he doesn't have that vibe like oh i'm Bo jackson I'm, like i did this i did that like he stands up he talks to you like you're a regular person you know he enjoys the game he gets so enthusiastic he was on the sideline he had a it was funny because he had like a suit on but um quentin Groves had just passed away and so he had a cutout of his jersey like stapled to his suit so this is a guy like he does not care like he's repping his school you know he loves everybody who comes in and out of that school and like like I said he'll talk to you like a regular guy but yeah I think I think Auburn's gonna do great things so I don't want people to sleep on it and you can either be a part of it or or you can be against it hey you know what hats off to you and uh, and and your experience there and man just that's awesome that you were a part of that program such a and again a storied program and you know I think that's great that you took a swing at going somewhere that you really wanted to go and and you did it you did it from the ground up you know you right. you have you know I'm sure like you said you know you're you're a person of faith God had his hand in that for sure but Greg Hall did a lot of work <laughs> to get to that point too so hats off to you the last current event I really want to talk about and it's super exciting and it got announced today and everybody's like out of their mind about it. EA Sports announces NCAA football franchise is coming back right. to gaming <laughs> consoles everywhere across the nation. Now, the particulars on when it will be released are still up in the air, but man, that's exciting. And the follow-up question I want to ask you is, what is your favorite NCAA year like that came out pre previously, like all time? I would say it's going to it's going to be crazy but my very first was game day 98. Whoa. <laughs> so that was, you know, block people. And like, as crazy as it is, I enjoyed that. You know, when you could make seven-foot guys all the way across the board and just go out there and run through stuff. Um, you know, they never even had the team names for real, but they would have the mascots. So, like, the old NCAA the game days, you know, they had the mascots would come out on the field and do all their little stuff. And I enjoyed having that. You know, for a little while, they kind of stopped it, and I think they had, you know, copyright and all that. You hate when politics get into the game, but yeah, that's, that's a classic for me. Yeah. I think mine was NCAA 06. That might've been my favorite one uh, that came you know, out. Tebow? No, no. Who, who was on the cover? Desmond, Desmond Howard. He's on the cover. Uh, yeah. NCAA 2006 had that crazy ass uh, soundtrack on there. It was like, what the hell is this? Like, it was like garage <laughs> band stuff, but like, it was, it was awesome, man. They had like all the option attack mini games in there. They had all the FCS teams. Like yeah. it was crazy, dude. That 
was like crazy. You could create your own teams too. It was the most in-depth one they ever made. So the possibilities are just endless. But uh, yeah, that was that was my personal favorite of all time. So this next segment's called Bold Prediction. And Greg, I got to ask you, man, how many games does the Auburn Tigers win in 2021? Now listen to this schedule. They start off with Akron, then they have Alabama State. They take a trip to Penn State. They've got Georgia State, LSU. They're playing Georgia, Arkansas, Mississippi, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, South Carolina, and Bama. So their normal SEC West schedule, right? But they, they have that cross-conference with Georgia. They also have South Carolina, and they are taking on Penn State. How many wins in a 12-game schedule could you see for the Auburn Tigers realistically in 2021? Uh, I want to say seven wins. I think so. It's going to be a blessing and a curse to start off the way that we start. Just because you have a new coach, it's going to be a lot of crossover, a lot of change. But you get, like you said, I think Akron, Alabama State. It's basically like a preseason. Penn State, they got a, a nice quarterback up there. Um, but it's one of those games that if the Auburn name can kind of put that fear into them, you know, just a little bit, it'll give you that edge. So my, my boy, Max Johnson, is over at LSU. Uh, I actually trained him a little bit back here in Georgia. And his dad is Brad Johnson, you know, the legend. That's right. So, yeah, yeah, that's right. He is, a, <laughs> he is at LSU. Brad Johnson's son is at LSU. I forgot about that. Yeah, Max is a beast. So I'm, I'm going to give Max that one. We're going to put it on him, but I, I think that LSU, I, I think after the, the struggle year they had this year, they're going to get back to that championship mentality. I think they just had to kind of rebuild some things. Um, it's hard to tell with Bama because not a whole lot is leaving. They always get their freshmen in, you know what I mean? And those guys always end up with so much experience. I think South Carolina, we could definitely knock them off. I don't, I don't know. It's just – it's just one of those things, like, I think the only reason we won't win more games than seven is because having that full SEC schedule in a row. Like, you don't have that – you don't even have the senior night Alabama A&M, Alabama State game. At this point, you're rolling straight into it. And even if you make it into playoffs or something like that, or like, you know, if you make it to the SEC championship, you're still coming off a game with Alabama. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. Yeah, I, you know, I think I would agree. Maybe, I, you know what, I would even, uh, no offense, I would even take it one less. I'm, I'm going to say six and six for Auburn. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to say six. As we saw in 2020, teams that were kind of in flux were sort of hit the hardest. And, you know, mm. when you saw like staff changeovers, coaching changeovers, the teams that had continuity coming into the season where there wasn't a lot of turnover change or anything like that. They had the identity. They had the roster. You saw some of these teams that on a normal year would probably be average start to ascend to a higher level in 2020 because they didn't have anything to figure out or install. It was already there, you know, so it allowed them to kind of play fast. You know, I'm thinking of a team like Indiana identity established, uh, coaching staff established, nothing changed. And you saw how they took a huge step forward in the Big Ten and threatened Ohio State this season, you know, right. as opposed to you, you saw nothing but turnover with a program like Penn State changing over their offensive coordinator, getting hit with the opt-out bug and all that other stuff like that. And all of a sudden they do what they did this last year. So I just think for Auburn to be a program in flux with a big coaching staff changeover and everything else, and there's no evidence that shows that 2021 is going to be any different really than 2020 so far. Right, um, right. You know, again, it's just they're, they, they're, they're a step behind in my 
opinion now. That doesn't mean that they can't get it turned around. And if you are an Auburn fan, you should take solace in the fact that, you know, Coach Harson is coming from Boise State. He had a ridiculous win percentage up there at Boise State with talent recruiting wise that was much, much lower in quality than Auburn. So if he's able to install and instill some of the stuff that made him successful up there with the kind of athletes that Auburn is going to attract, it could be a good it could be a good fit for him. Um the last segment of the podcast is called the reflection. Greg, so this is an opportunity in the reflection to just, you know, have some closeout thoughts that that could apply to life, you know, and they could be football or life, you know. And uh, so what lessons or experiences, and we're going to touch on this, you are Greg Hall Jr., correct? correct. So so what lessons or experiences from, from your father continue to guide you to today? Because I am of the understanding that, that your father he has his past um, and he was hugely impactful on you. And I, and I remember hearing you speak about him. And I've also seen you uh, make a lot of social media posts of like pearls of wisdom and things like that, that you, things that you've taken away from your dad. And so what are some lessons and experiences that would guide you every single day from your father? Um, I guess the, the crazy thing was my dad passed when I was nine years old. And like I said, I'm the youngest, but I was his first son. You know, being on my dad's side, I have two older sisters and he treated me like I was the oldest. He treated me like I was the man. And like I said, I feel like things happen for a reason. So I kind of felt like he was almost prepping me um, in a way, but it was, you know, anybody in the house can do something wrong. I got the, the brute of it. You know, I got like your sisters were kind of around, but this is on you. This is your fault. You know, he was just constantly teach me how to be a man um and also i saw my dad take care of pretty much his whole family um whether it was money based or just maturity responsibility uh he made sure that we stayed close to family so when my dad was still alive i would spend summers and holidays with him and we as soon as like my mom might drop me off or something or he come pick me up we drove straight to my sisters you know if they weren't already in the car and then we drove straight to my grandparents up in uh bruton alabama he made sure like we made our rounds you know i didn't see a lot of my other family members coming to meet him like my dad stayed on the road and made sure even if he didn't spend the time around while we were with our family, he, he would make sure that we were there. You know, he made sure that we knew all of our family that uh, we just had that bond and he kept me and my sister's clothes, you know? So that was my biggest thing was I feel like a lot that I do now is to live out his legacy and to continue the lessons that I think that he was trying to teach me. So just being a man, handling your stuff, um, taking care of family, no matter what that means, keeping family close. I just, I want them to be proud of me, but part of my thing with the junior, you know, and I always have to fight when I'm playing sports to get that added on my jersey, you know, or in my bio, whatever, because people just take the easy way out, obviously. And um, it just, it means a lot to me to have that junior. You know, it, it makes it obvious, like, oh, you know, he's the second, you know, like he's a product of Greg Hall, you know. So, yeah, that's my, my biggest thing has always been the pride in my name, carrying that on and making him proud as I go. Would you say that your father prepared you for a life without him? I believe he did. Uh, and I hate to compare my life to Lion King, but I feel like it was almost like Mufasa leaving Simba, you know what I mean? At that young 
young age, he's teaching them all the stuff, and he's a kid, so he's like, you know, what are you talking about? Like that that means nothing. And then he reflects later in life, and he's having like these talks with his dad, and he's gaining that same wisdom and becoming, you know, his father in a way. And that's I like it hurts, but it also brings me joy when I go see my grandmother, and she says, "You look just like your dad," or "You remind me, you do this like your dad." You know, my sisters are saying like, "That's just like dad used to do," you know, things like that. So. Yeah, I guess in a way I'm Simba. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's awesome, man. I mean, that's the stuff of, of life there. What is um, what's something you're passionate about outside of football? Now we've talked family, you've talked your faith a little bit, uh, football. What What's something you're passionate outside of football? Um, one of my main things, and I've been doing this since I was in elementary school, is uh, writing poetry, but I've built on it since. Um especially with the COVID and everything, I obviously had a lot of time at home. Um, so I, I started writing again, uh, built up my website and I want to get to a point where I'm getting published with that. So if you know anybody, you know, put me on, but, <laughs> uh, my poetry website is actually uh, tazthepoet.com um, and I also have uh, Instagram, which is just tazthepoet. That's, it's just something, it's a, a way as a quiet, laid back guy to express myself. The Taz thing is kind of like a alter ego. I know you, if you remember Columbus, uh, <laughs> that was my, my thing. Um, so it was always Taz Hall Jr. And I even tried to get them to do the little, uh, I don't even know what to call it, but the noise that he makes. <laughs> like Whenever I made tackles, I tried to get them to put that on. on yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to attempt to do the voice or the, the noise on the podcast. Sorry, folks. Um, but I know what you're talking about. I, I, I enjoyed that as a kid too. So the Taz, the Tasmanian devil from Looney Tunes. You, you have a little tattoo of him, don't you? Or on your arm? I, I do. I mean, now that makes it seem like I have a small arm when you say I have a little tattoo. Well, my it's, it's just, I'm sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. It's he's, He has a tattoo on his massive, huge arms <laughs> that makes it look um, modest. You're, you're inflating now. You're inflating. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, um, it's it's kind of my alter ego. I feel like every, every introverted person kind of has that extroverted personality like you you build personalities for yourself especially that's my thing with football i had a helmet on so you don't know me you know i can be whoever i want to be under this helmet so when i put on my helmet i'm taz you know when i'm writing poetry i'm doing something that people don't see greg do on a day-to-day basis it's just like taz is my alter ego you know so you have a taz the poet you also have a Taz the athlete. I think I'm speaking to not only a stoic, but a little bit of a Renaissance man here. You do some poetry, you're, you know, play football, you, you, do, you have lots of other uh, hobbies and interests as well. Greg, thank you, first off for coming on here today. I've had a tremendous time with this interview. How do people get in touch with you um, if they'd like to reach out to you about, well, really anything, uh, questions from the podcast, if you're into poetry, if you're into football, if you're into Auburn football, you know, you want to, you want to reach out to Greg Hall Jr. How do people, how do people best get a hold of you? I mean, I'm open to any of my uh, social media outlets. So obviously poetry wise, is Taz the Poet. For my personal Instagram slash kind of marketing myself as an athlete, 
It's Taz the Athlete underscore 22. And then my Facebook, which I'm part of the Any Given You uh, Facebook group, but it's Greg Hall Jr. And you can reach me on any of those, you know, a direct message or a comment. You know, I talk to other poets from time to time, and it doesn't matter age. I've talked to kids that were in high school or middle school that were amazing and well beyond their years. Um, same thing with sports. You know, I've, I've talked to older people and some people were still trying to follow the same path that I took. So I'm, I'm always here to talk. I, I like bonding with people and learning of other people's stories and what they have going on. So you can reach me at any of those outlets. Well, Mr. Hall, thank you so much for your time this evening. Thank you for joining us here at Any Given You. Well, Mr. Hall, thank you for joining us here at Any Given You. I am just ecstatic you were able to come on tonight and uh, I think we're all richer for the experience. If you you, thank you. Thanks, bud. If you liked what you heard here, please go ahead and rate review and subscribe here at any given you leave your commitment with us. We will continue to bring you the best college football content that we can any given time, any given place, any given topic, get it at any given you.